My telephone number here on the Mike Church Show on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network, 844-527-8723, 844-5-CRUSADE. To the Skype Maker Hotline, say hi to our friend, Dr. Thomas Woods, who is the proprietor of LibertyClassroom.com, here to confirm that Jill Stein and Hillary Clinton have, got, have, have received their recount of the Black Friday uh, Liberty Classroom membership sign-up contest, and uh, Julie Borowski ha has already conceded the recount. She has indeed, and it goes to show the recount's a scam. It's just, <laughs> I'm keeping the millions of bucks we raised to have the recount. <laughs> but, but Mike is indeed the winner. <laughs> no recount necessary. And, and, you know, who was it who said, you got to beat them so badly that they can't cheat? Not that Julie was going to cheat, but I mean, but in other words, your lead was so overwhelming by the time it was done because of your listeners that there was no way even Jill Stein could have pulled a rabbit out of that hat. <laughs> Not even Jill Stein. You know, I have... I'm reading these stories, uh, and I just listened to, to Ms. Stein just a moment ago. Well, we have to ensure that our elections are fair and honest, and there's a hint of impropriety. No, there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no one except her even thought there was. No one was even talking about that. The, the best they could do was to whine about the Electoral College or something. But nobody was really saying there was fraud, except Trump thought there might be fraud against him. But... Fraud against Hillary, like Trump people, are actually committing fraud, highly unlikely. Unlikely to the point of zero. Yeah, and uh, the best explanation that I saw about the, uh, the or justification for the Electoral College was the one that you wrote, which was, all right, you have a seven-game World Series, and uh, so the, the Chicago Cubs just won the last one. Um, let's just say for a moment that the Cardinals, um, uh, that they out, not the Cardinals, what am I saying, uh, Indians, that the Indians outscored the Cubs 45 to 35 in the total run count. So they ought to get the World Series trophy, right? Yeah, and exactly. And nobody would, would say, well, that's, that makes sense. They would say, that's just whining and special pleading. It's how many games did you win? And, and then Kevin Gutzman made the point that actually this example is even better than I thought it was, because if the object of the series were to win the greatest number of runs over the series, in the same way they're proposing that the presidential election should have as its purpose to win the greatest number of popular votes over the course of as many states as possible, or just you know, just as many popular votes as you can get, you would you would run the series differently, or you would campaign for president differently. So, for instance, Trump would campaign in california because he could get some votes he would he would have done it differently so as to so to say well he you know he would have lost the popular vote if he had been shooting for the popular vote he probably would have won it but he wasn't shooting for that because that's not the rule well likewise if you are in one of the games of the world series and it's and you're losing nine to one and it's you know it, it's the eighth inning you're not going to put your star reliever in because you know you've already lost that game you're going to rest up your star reliever for the next game. But if the object were to get as many runs as possible, well, you know, you, you might have a different strategy there. You, or, you, you know, that guy, you know, that, that let's say that, des well, I guess, I don't know when you'd use the designated hitter, but, you know, one of your best hitters, you know, you're worried about whether he's going to be able to last the whole series if you put him in now. Right. Well, all those decisions change if all that matters is runs, runs, runs. So, again, you would run the series differently if it were that way. 
Yeah, and you and you do the same thing in, in the NBA series or in the, in the NHL, which are all best uh, four, uh, best of seven. Four out of uh, seven is, is is who wins. If you were doing this, if you were using the same strategy, and all you wanted to do was outscore, and you were having a great night, and the, and the other team's goalie stank. Well, <laughs> you try to get as many more power plays as you could and run the score up because you're shooting for the uh, uh, you're shooting for the ultimate goal, which is exactly. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't put. It's like you know, yeah, like in basketball. I remember in the '80s, I was a big Celtics fan, and we knew the game had been put away anytime Greg Kite came off the bench. You never heard of Greg <laughs> Kite because he was the worst player on the team. But if the point was to rack up points, they would just keep Larry Bird in the whole game. So, but then people would come back and say, "All right, I get." the logic of it but i still don't see why okay yeah if that's the way you want to have the electoral college work i i get the internal consistency of it but why do it that way why not just have the popular vote and basically what it boils down to is in the same way that we look at the world series as a series of games well likewise the electoral college is like a series of victories in 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 like individual games and each society is a game the idea is the united states with an s the United States are. The United States is referred to in the plural every time it's referred to in the Constitution. Why? Because that's what it is. It's a collection of societies. And what we're trying to see is not how many raw individuals you can rack up. That's totally alien to the American tradition. It's how many societies can you win. We're a collection of societies. Now, obviously, there's some waiting for population, uh, you know, W-E-I-G-H-T, waiting for population in the right. Electoral College. Right. But still, basically, the idea is you can't just go campaign in California, New York, and Florida, which is all you'd have to do without the Electoral College. Just campaign there, pander to those people, get as many millions of votes as you would need, never, ever go anywhere else. Whereas with the Electoral College, there are only so many electoral votes you can get from New York. Now you've got to go campaign somewhere else. Yeah, I want to read something to you, Uh, Dr. Thomas Woods. And by the way, when I get finished reading this, we'll talk a little bit more about Liberty Classroom. Um, uh, But I'd like to encourage you uh, to go back to your publisher and tell them they need to uh, um, re-release Meltdown. Uh, Because we're about to have another one. If, especially if the a new chief of the Federal Reserve knows anything about monetary policy from the anarcho-capitalist Friedrich Hayek, uh, Ludwig von Mises, uh, end of the gene pool, well, then we know that there's going to be a tightening of money supply, and there's going to be an increase in interest rates, and that's going to cause some things to happen that are going to cause another meltdown, and you wrote about it back in 2008. But I just want to read this to you about the Electoral College. This is little Jimmy Madison on the floor of the Federal Convention on the 24th of July, 1787, Tom. He said and there was a great debate that went on. I read the whole thing this morning. For five days, they debated over, over whether or not there should be a popular election, whether or not Congress should appoint, or whether or not the states uh, should appoint, or whether or not the states should appoint electors. And, of course, we know that they ultimately wound up with electors. So this wasn't an arbitrary decision that was made. That's what's fascinating to me. Here's what Madison said in part. It's very lengthy, but just a couple sentences will get the point across. A coalition of the two former powers would be more immediately and certainly dangerous to public liberty. It is essential, then, that the appointment of the executive should either be drawn from some source or held by some tenure that will give him a free agency with regard to the legislature. This could not be if he was to be appointable from time to time by the legislature. 
It was not clear that an appointment in the first instance with an ineligibility afterwards would not establish an improper connection between the two departments. Certain it was that the appointment would be attended with intrigues and contentions that ought not to be unnecessarily admitted. He was disposed for these reasons to refer the appointment to some other source. The people at large was, in his opinion, the fittest in itself. It would be as likely as any that could be devised to produce an executive magistrate of distinguished character. Now, you know, Ph.D., Dr. Thomas Woods has written many books on the, the subject, um, in, including Who Killed the Constitution with uh, Kevin Goodsman. You know that Madison ultimately lost this question and that his protestations about a popular election uh, uh, were defeated and the system of electors was ultimately instituted. But as I said, it was, it was as a result of a very lengthy debate. They really tried very hard to get this correct, is my point. And even Madison, James Madison's view of how this ought to, be, ought to be executed did not hold sway. So it was a collection of minds that gave us the Electoral College, correct? Correct, which is why I, on Twitter, I, I spend more time I, than I should on Twitter, Mike. I just should. I, I just do. It's terrible. It I, is. <laughs> I'm glad I'm admitting it out in the open. You know, you, you, you got to slay your demons one way or another. And I was getting a lot of people, and I could tell these were people who had read nothing, right. who were saying, well, I feel, oh, if I hear one more person say, I feel, I'm going <laughs> to commit an atrocity. I feel that the popular vote would be better. And so I just asked, well, you know, this is a really important question. Are you just automatically assuming that because you don't get the current system or what its virtues are, that it must be contemptible and therefore you don't have to look into it? Well, what have you read on this? And, of course, crickets. They've read nothing. Right. Because what matters is how they feel about it. They've read nothing. They, they don't even understand what the argument is. I said, well, what would somebody on the other side of this argument say? Somebody who disagrees with you. I know what your argument is. I know perfectly well what your argument is. Do you know what mine is? Do you think mine is, let's come up with the most arcane system for electing the president possible? Is that what you really think my argument is? Do you even know what it is? Of course, none of them. No idea. None. And, and I'm sorry, and I, I know I shouldn't generalize, but you know what? Doggone it, I am going to generalize. Why not? There, there are generalizations that are basically valid in the world, and I frankly believe, just from my experience, that when I'm dealing with critics from the left— they are not as well-read as critics from the right. That's just been the case as long as I can remember. And yet the left portrays itself as the educated elite and whatever, but look, at least the ones I come across on social media, hmm. they don't know a thing. Yeah, and then your garden variety person that uh, fancies themselves as a uh, millennial liberal or progressive or whatever, Bernie Sanders voter or whatever the case, uh, whatever that case is, they know even less Oh, and you know what's great? Uh, CampusReform.org is a uh, website of the Leadership Institute. I checked that probably three times a week. Mm -hmm. They did a video where they went around talking to millennials on thanks, you know, around Thanksgiving because they were giving thanks to Obama. And they wanted to know, well, what are you giving him thanks for? Like, what is it in particular that he's done that you like? <laughs> that, they haven't got the slightest idea. That the best they could come up with, he's kind of cool. He's got a sense of humor. He's brought the country together. Are you kidding me? Where? What? <laughs> In what way? What? He's been totally repudiated by a guy who was pummeled in the media worse than worse than Pat Buchanan was. I mean, worse than anybody we've ever seen. He still 
has his candidate Hillary Clinton lose to that guy, that's because he did not. So they, so they try. You know, the the interview is trying to help Malone. Well, how about Obamacare? You know, what about the, you know, what about that? I mean, isn't so they try to talk about that, and then they come up against the problem of the high premiums. And the best these kids can do. One of them said, "Well, I don't really know about that. My mom pays my insurance." <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No wonder you're a progressive. <laughs> Eight four four five two seven eight seven two three is our telephone number. Uh, I, I just want to—I want to return back to the federal convention for just a moment, since I just read it. The, the final line of the debate before votes were taken, and then they—they're uh, you know, dispersed out to their committee of detail. I think it was called or style and substances to go and actually, all right, take all these notes, come back and give us a uh, a document, which they did, and they reported it in August. But the final line, Tom, here it is. Mr. And these are from Madison's notes. Mr. Jerry approved of Mr. Pinckney's motion as lessening the evil. I think that that is as profound a line in the entire three volumes of Farron's records as anything that I've, that I've read. They recognize that, that they were playing with fire with the chief executive, didn't they? Oh, absolutely. But I, yet at the same time, there is a sense that although they recognize that, in the Constitution itself, well, frankly, there probably are not enough safeguards around him, you know, placed around him. Now, s- to some degree, they thought they had. For instance, even Hamilton in The Federalist mm-hmm. noted with regard to making war that, look, our president's going to be totally different from the King of England because he can't just make war on his own say-so. He's got to get the consent of the Congress. So clearly, we've got a much better chief executive. And that's, that's great and everything, but when you look at how specifically enumerated the powers of Congress are, and then when it comes to the president, there's just a vague reference to executive powers. Well, unfortunately, we've seen that that's had a bad, especially ever since uh, at least Teddy Roosevelt during peacetime. His view was, well, as long as it doesn't say I can't do it, then my view is I can do it, and that has uh, not served us well. Now, let me ask you a final question here, and then we'll uh, talk a little Liberty Classroom. You also authored the book called Rollback. And once upon a time, I asked you, uh, uh, Tom, if you could roll back to one date in American history, what day would you roll back to? And your answer was 16 September, 1787. Was it? Jeez, I'm so glad I'm so consistent, Mike, because I was sitting here thinking, I think I've gotten more extreme since whenever I was talking to Mike. I think it would be right before. (laughs) It was. (laughs) You said... I probably would, because, you know, I don't know where... You are these days uh, on your thinking on this, but I have a funny feeling we are. We you probably couldn't even slide a credit card between us and our views on this. But <laughs> I look at this and I say, this just hasn't succeeded. And, and it's not enough to say, well, if only they'd follow the Constitution. I get that. Of course, that would be nice. Yeah, right. But but since there's no institutional way to force them to do that, then it hasn't been a success. And and by the way, I can think of some institutional safeguards that could be instituted. Like, for instance, I do like the idea of, even though I believe in state nullification, as an additional safeguard, I, I like the idea of a, a certain number of states could simply vote to say, we don't like this law, so it's gone. And thereby, you'd have to have the overwhelming consent of the whole country to get a law through. Right. I'd like to see something like that. But I, I think it's been a failure. 
What else can you say? How could, in what way has this been a success? When you think about all the complaints about the Articles of Confederation, they are nothing. They are dust in the wind. They are nothing compared to what we endure now. It's like the, the old thing about what were the teachers' complaints in the 50s. The kids were chewing gum and you know, wearing leather jackets. <laughs> and today it's the kids are stabbing the teachers. I'll take the chewing gum now. You know? <laughs> I had no idea how good I had it. Well, I am uh, today a proponent of uh, going back to the system of government that they had in the Book of Judges. So There you go. Yeah, how would that be worse? How could that be worse? <laughs> how could it be worse? I, I, I agree completely. Problem solved. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, but, but back to the rollback. Uh, as a follow-up question, Trump is out there, President-elect Trump is, is out there saying, you know, we're going to bring manufacturing back, we're going to do this and that and the other. People like me that have read your book and other works, and, you know, I've been a, a reader and a subscriber to all that has been put out since the 1990s by one of the few uh, 501c3 nonprofits that's worth, a, that's worth a hoot, and that's the Competitive Enterprise Institute, CEI. Yeah. Yeah, and CEI great. has been all over this for almost a Fred Smith, a Tulane graduate, by the way, uh, has been all over this for almost three uh, for over three decades now. There's just no way that a major corporation or a major uh, a business entity can navigate the regulatory spider web uh, with any uh, with any success to repatriate money and to reopen a plant back in the United States. Talking about rollback. What do you? What kind of rollback would it take to bring those trillions that are that are offshore now in Mexico and China and Taiwan and Bangladesh and every other place on the on the planet? Well, I I would like to I like the the Trump proposal that for every new regulation two need to be repealed. Mm -hmm. Wow, I, I've actually never heard anybody who got elected to anything advocate that that that'd be an excellent start. But I would also like to see. Uh, why not? Why not? Why not slash corporate tax rates? And here's why that's a good thing. There are two possible groups of people that could get that money: the profits that co corporations earn, okay. the corporations, or the federal government. Now, I know the federal government is going to do stupid, and or if it did stupid things, I'd almost be happy. It's going to do evil things. It's going to. It's everything it does is with that money is going to be evil. So, but yet with manufacturing these days, you've got global uh, competition. Manufacturing profits are really, really tight. So they can't, people get envious because people who run corporations have fancy houses and whatever. They can't spend more than the tiniest fraction of their profits on their fancy houses if they want to stay competitive. They got to sure. take those profits and reinvest them in the business, which makes the business more productive, more successful, more able to be competitive, more able to offer lower prices. That's where that money needs to go. It does not need to go to more social programs, to more resettling of immigrants. It doesn't need any, that's it. We've had, that's, we've done, we've tried that. And that's what's gotten us to where we are. And, and, and in order to turn that around, I, I, good Lord, there, if you were to take all these papers and pile them into a, uh, they probably, you'd probably be able to stack all the regulations as high as and as wide as the Washington Monument or the Washington obelisk that Washington would probably kill himself over. He, he'd probably hang himself from the nearest tree he could find if he knew that that monument had been built to him. Oh yeah, at Jefferson too. The, I mean, he would see these larger-than-life, gargantuan things that make the individual feel like a, 
you know, just a speck of nothingness before their great leaders was the exact opposite of republicanism. Totally exact opposite. Um, <clears throat> finally here, uh, let's talk about Liberty Classroom for just a moment. Um, in, and now your reader, your your listeners might not know what that is, Mike. Okay, I'm just kidding you. <laughs> LibertyClassroom.com. Uh, no, uh, I just want to make sure I have the story correct. This was the third annual Black Friday contest. Oh, well, we've never had a contest before. Okay, I so mean, we, we've had discounts on Black Friday, but I've never had an affiliate contest before. I was taking a gamble because Mike, there was always the chance that the top affiliate would sell three things, and I'd still have to give them a car. <laughs> and, you know, I could have put, sometimes on affiliate contests, they put minimums, like you have to sell X number to be eligible for this, and if nobody sells that many, the prize is not given away. But I thought that would discourage people from trying. So I didn't put any minimums, and I crossed my fingers, and good old Mike Church ro- galloped into my rescue <laughs> by... So, okay, I feel great about giving, even after I give away this car and the cash prizes to the other people who were involved in all the commissions, everybody does well. Kevin Gutzman, Brian, I, everybody involved, and then everybody who got a subscription got a really, really great deal yeah. because those prices were unbelievable. So there's no one unhappy here except all the propagandists in every school in America. How could, <laughs> God bless America, how could you be happier than you are right now. <laughs> well, um, and th- that's the uh, one. Uh, that's that's the way that we sold this. Uh, that hey, we're not just asking you to go give this guy a couple hundred bucks or whatever the case may be. You get something in return. And I think that uh, uh, once people get the sample of return, that they'll be very encouraged. And next year's affiliate, we'll have a aff- we'll have affiliates of our affiliate next year, but. My takeaway from this is a um, my takeaway from this is a little more spiritual than yours is. So you're the you're the economist and you run in the Mises circle. So I would I would underst- uh, understand any trepidation about uh, about any spiritual takeaway. But I have to tell you, <laughs> our patron saint of the, this network we have two: Saint Pope Pius X and Saint Joseph. Um, I'm not going to tell anyone that I did not say a nine day novena. Um, and now I have to say one for thanks, um, that we would be victorious in this contest. And every day, I, uh, those patron saints were prayed to. Now, maybe that was just me, but I can tell you, Dr. Thomas Woods, on behalf of the people that came over from our site, that they believe, um, and they are very active in this, that they believe that they are part of something that no one in broadcasting has ever tried to make them a part of. And that is, they are a part of what we do. They, they are our family. They, uh, they are our community. We're trying to operate in solidarity. I would throw the word distributism out, but then I'd have to, uh, I have to spend a half an hour defending it. So let me just say that our little listener-owned radio enterprise, in, in uh, affiliation with you at Liberty Classroom, Tom, I think we just demonstrate that vast social change, productive, good Christian social change, is in, 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 in using business and doing it through business is actually possible. That's my takeaway. What do you say? Well, look, I agree. I've, first of all, I actually have a great devotion to uh, Pope St. Pius X. As it, as it turns out, my father, who died 20 years ago this year, mm-hmm. he actually died on September 3rd of 1996. And in the old calendar, that was the Feast of St. Pius I know the, the date well. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I love his, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stand up against the whole world kind of style. 
because you know it seems to me we need somebody like that. I mean, I don't want to talk. Believe me, I don't want to talk about the current occupant of the chair. Although <laughs> that the current occupant, the the silver lining is that he he has forced a lot of people to clarify their thinking about what's gone on since Vatican II, and that's at least something. Maybe that's where we start to rebuild. I don't know. But I love St. Pius X. And what, what also is interesting to me is that, are, am I allowed to mention the Kia connection on the Absolutely. air, or is that anonymous? Absolutely. Please do. Okay. Well, it turns out that one of Mike's biggest supporters actually happens to run pretty much the biggest Kia dealership in the entire country, and he's going to make this process of getting the car all the easier for us, which struck me as just amazing, because I almost gave away a Nissan Sentra, and it was only at the last minute that I switched to give, to give the Kia, and now it turns out, without I had no way of knowing that, that this is going to actually really simplify the process and, and help us all out in various ways. I, I mean, obviously it's possible that that would be a coincidence, but it, I don't know, it's a bit of a stretch. So, you know, I like when I'm you know, in my life to get little reminders of, uh, you know, I mean, my faith, like everybody's faith, is weak at times. Sure. And and then from time to time, you see these things, you say, well, how about that? <laughs> well, I think that this, uh, not only for you and for me and for Mark and all of us here that are officially involved in the, um, in the Veritas Radio Network and the Crusade Channel, but I'm also talking about uh, hundreds upon hundreds out, out there that are members. You know, we, we have a membership site as well and that are frequenters of all that we do here that the uh, to me it's obvious that uh, we were so outnumbered numerically. There's no way we can numerically compete with Borowski or Michael Bolden or half a dozen of the other big liberty movement players that have uh, access to tens if not hundreds of thousands more people than we did. And yet again, i just like to say again, people thinking together, pursuing, uh, pursuing transcendent eternal truths, things that we ought to all know and be raised on anyways, and uh, doing that in business um, and applying that um, in, in a sense of solidarity, it is possible to do great things, to do good things that are productive for all. As you said, Tom, nobody walks away from this a loser. No, no. Well, except the people who didn't get the car. That were <laughs> <laughs> those people. <laughs> well, but look. look. <laughs> they wind up with great commissions and stuff, but I, I will just say very quickly, I, I can't mention names, it would be indiscreet, but let's just say there were affiliates who brought to us three or even four times as many visitors as you brought. Mm. And what mattered was the quality of your visitors, because they knew... They knew why they were there. They knew what the product was. They knew they wanted to help you. And so you had the best conversion rate, I think, of anybody, a conversion of visitors into customers, of any affiliate we had. Because the, they, they marched over there and they said, doggone it, I'm going to help my church. Whereas we, we did have some affiliates that just said, hey, go click on this link. And so people aimlessly clicked on it. They looked and then they went and did something else. They went and made a sandwich. But your people <laughs> showed up and did it. And that's what mattered. It's, the, it's not the sheer numbers it's the quality of the numbers. You know, and I think in our social media age, Tom, um, and especially in major media-owned broadcasting, we all, we're, we're trained. We're programmed like, like, like brain-dead zombies to think in terms of quantity. It's all quantity. Big, 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 big. Uh, gr greater numbers equal greater things. And I think we, we just, I don't think I know, we just proved that that is not always the case. 
and it's glorious. Everybody loves the underdog, right? <laughs> you are the underdog. And, and the funny thing was, in my private Facebook group, I'm sorry to say, my people were predicting that Julie would win. Uh-huh. And, and I was looking at the numbers, and I'm thinking, oh, you people, you bunch of put some money on it with each other, because <laughs> somebody's going to clean up if he bets on Mike. And everybody was really happy for you, because they didn't see that coming. They thought, Julie has 210,000 followers on Facebook. How are you going to compete with that? And you, you gave the answer, how you compete with that. Well, and we'll uh, we'll do it again next year, and we'll do it again all year, folks. We're going to continue our affiliation with Liberty Classroom. So if you didn't get in on the uh, fantastic Black Friday sales, Tom and I um, are going to continue talking about uh, ma- making a Veritas Radio Network affiliation with Liberty Classroom so that when we, when we direct somebody over to libertyclassroom.com, you, uh, you, you're going to get a good deal to begin with because it's a great deal to start with, as Tom points out in his sales material. But you're going to get just a little bit better deal because you came from us, and uh, we all look forward to that. Well, Tom, if I don't talk to you, Twix, now and Christmas, um, uh, tell the five children now and lovely wife, Heather, that the church family wishes them a very safe and blessed and Merry Christmas. We I absolutely will, and I, I know they will wish you the same. And I ho- Now, the thing is, since we now know that the 2017 model year for the soul hasn't quite rolled out yet, I thought I was going to be coming to visit you in about 10 <laughs> days. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know if it'll be before Christmas or not, but if it's not, then by all means, uh, Merry Christmas. All right, same back at you, brother. Thank you, and uh, thanks for the contest. It was a, um, uh, I think it, it provided us really just a little, uh, a little bit of a test just to see, you know, is this thing really going to work? Can we actually pull this thing off with the Oh, and I'll tell you, I had a lot of your listeners emailing to say, I want to make sure my sale gets credited to Mike because I didn't see any evidence of that. Well, that's because we have a very smooth system. It looks like nothing's being tracked. It's being tracked. I mean, look, if the NSA could listen to every conversation, we can tell that you're coming from Mike Church. But (laughs) I loved that they cared. They wanted that to be credited to you. So I'm telling you, I'm not just saying this to flatter you. Your participation made this contest for us because it was... It was so much fun to watch the enthusiasm coming from your listeners. That made it all – it, it would have been fine, and it would have been successful, but it was tremendous and uplifting for me because of your listeners. So the, the thanks also come from me to you. Well, you're, uh, you're very welcome, uh, everybody. LibertyClassroom.com. And, of course, if you want a, a daily podcast that is uh, second to none – except to this one, then go to Tom Woods. <laughs> <laughs> had to throw it in. Uh, or, or second to Kevin Goodsman's Constitution Hour podcast. Go to Tom Woods. All right, Wood- so what, what am I, like number seven at this point? <laughs> <laughs> TomWoods.com, everybody. All right, uh, Tom, thank you very much. Talk again real soon. And, we'll, and, folks, we will have Tom down here. We will have a live presentation handing over the keys. We'll have a little ceremony here when the key is actually uh, uh, delivered. Uh, we'll talk again real soon, brother. Thanks, Mike. You're very welcome. Folks, that's uh, Dr. Tom Woods. Everybody, uh, what a what a great guy! What a great contest! What a what a great result.